0: By nature, the human heart is as hard as concrete, and God plows concrete. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can come now to your word as we look at this parable. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would open our ears spiritually, open our hearts spiritually. We might hear the truth, Oh, Holy Spirit, would you apply it to our hearts today. Bless us, Lord. Bless me as the one who brings this message that I would be faithful and true. Bless us as hearers, as your people. We pray and ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Would you turn to Mark chapter 4 as we read verses 1 through 20. This is the parable of the sower. Again, he began to tease beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land and he was teaching them with many things and parables and in his teaching he said to them listen behold a sower went out to sow and as he sowed some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil and when the sun rose it was scorched, and since it had No root had withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into the good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And the others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Pete and Ruth Mitchell are part of our missionary support family, and they served in France for many years, well over 30 years. Pete, at one of our missions conferences, were marked that ministering in the country of France is like plowing concrete. France is a country that, by and large, is spiritually dead and resistant to the truth of the gospel and we can identify in certain ways and sympathize with Pete and the struggle of ministering in such a difficult place for our country is also becoming more and more post-Christian and spiritually dead it's like plowing concrete seeking to serve Christ even in our country. The good news of this parable, however, is that the believer, you might say the church, that we're not called to plow. We're called to sow and leave the plowing to God and God plows concrete. Our task today is to engage the, the plot of this parable to discover the purpose of jesus using parables and then thirdly that we would consider the point the meaning that jesus communicated in the words of this parable first the plot or the storyline of the parable you'll find that in verses 1 through 9 the parable of Sower is the first parable of jesus that appears in the Gospel of Mark. So what is a parable? I really like the way Dr. Boyce defined parable in his commentary on the parables. He said this, that a parable is a story taken from real life or a real situation from which a moral or spiritual lesson is drawn. Parables may be simple, one lesson, or complex several lessons. Take for example the parable of the prodigal son Luke chapter 15. We may understand this parable by looking at different angles for example the point of view of the father or of the prodigal or of the elder brother. Parables are often multi-faceted and very dynamic. You enter in into the story. Think of our parable today. We could focus on the one seed, we could focus on the sower, or we could look at the four types of soil. Parables are not to be viewed as allegories, the, the great allegory of the Christian life, Pilgrim's Progress by, by Bunyan. In each of the elements of that story, there's a particular meaning But in parables, some elements are just part of the story. They do not have a particular meaning. On this occasion, look at verse 1. Our Lord was once again by the sea. The crowd had gathered. It was a large crowd as the crowds tended to be when Jesus was to preach and teach. And in fact, the crowd was so large, our text tells us, that he had to get in a boat and go just offshore so he would have a place to sit a pulpit of sorts and then the crowd would be there on shore to listen to him teach to listen to him teach by way of this parable and Jesus taught in parables that was one of his favorite ways to teach This story is based on a real life situation, the real life situation that everyone in that crowd understood very well, a sower sowing seeds. And the lesson of this parable and others that our Lord told were for the purpose of teaching spiritual principles, spiritual truth about his kingdom and what story did our Lord tell on this occasion? Look at verses 3 through 9. You see the, the plot or the particulars of this sower. It, it involves a sower going out and just sowing this seed. And the seed fell on four types of soil. You know the story very well. There's the hard compacted soil. Think of a path that many people have had walked on over... The years and it was hard and compacted. Think of my driveway, and I'm out there, unless there's a crack in my driveway where some vegetation can grow. But typically, when you sow seeds on a driveway, you don't get a harvest, although the squirrels and the birds really appreciate it. And then the second soil, which is rocky soil. Typically, there would be a bed of rock and then just a very shallow depth of, of soil. I would say, think of my backyard, would be a good example of this. And again, you would sow the seed, and the seed might actually germinate, but the roots could not go deep, and the first bit of hot weather would, will kill the plant. And then the third soil, this is the soil that's on an area ground that has a bunch of thorns and weeds and this makes sense you throw seeds out there the weeds are going to choke it out have you ever noticed how a drought typically doesn't kill weeds Uh, fertilizer with weed and feed typically doesn't kill weeds although you can kill your grass especially if you use roundup at the wrong time of the year but weeds have a tendency to grow and to choke out everything around them and then there's the fourth soil that represents the good ground, the ground where the seed was sown, but it was prepared, it was plowed, and, and the seed was able to germinate and grow and produce this great harvest that we read about in Jesus' story. So that's the story, that's the, that's the real-life situation that Jesus told, and everyone there in that crowd got it. They, they understood a sower sowing seed and the soils to which that seed would fall. But he ends the story in somewhat of a puzzling manner look at verse 9 he who has ears to hear let him hear the, the implication is some would have heard this story and not really understood it but, but but wait a minute Jesus isn't the first lesson in one of the first lessons in preaching and teaching is that you're clear you want your the people hearing you to understand and hear you are saying that he who has ears let him hear Why would you even give a story if there are people there that aren't going to understand it? This resulted in a question that is basically this. Jesus, what is the purpose of a parable? And we see this in the second point. Look at verses 10 through 12. Jesus, before he explains the meaning of the parable, he gives the purpose of, parables. Jesus had likely dismissed the crowd, and he was alone, though he was not entirely alone. He was alone in that the crowd was no longer with him, but the 12 were with him, and those disciples that were of the the wider circle of consistent followers of Jesus remained. see this in verse 10, and they ask about parables, especially given this unusual ending that Jesus gave in verse 9 to the story that that he told and notice also that they ask about the parables the word there is in the plural meaning that Jesus had told other parables like the ones that follow this parable this first parable in Mark and so their question then was about Jesus's use of parables have you ever been in a group of people and something is said and some in the crowd laugh or shake their head yes and others in the crowd are like what? what did you just say? we've been in that situation where there's some in the crowd that are, that are on the inside they, maybe there's an inside joke or inside story or event that some in the crowd know about but others don't and so there's this, there's this idea of feeling like an insider and then feeling like an outsider to the story. You don't really know what's going on. And parables function in a similar way in that there's a component to parables that are revealing to those on the inside, but there's also a component that is concealing to those who are on the outside. Some get it and some don't get it. Some get Jesus and some don't get Jesus. Some get the truth that Jesus is teaching about the kingdom, and some don't get the truth about what Jesus is teaching about the kingdom and exactly what was Jesus teaching about the kingdom what was revealed and concealed in the parables that Jesus taught Jesus said for those who are on the inside look at verse 11 that the secrets of the kingdom of God are revealed so if you're an insider if you're able to hear with spiritual ears, then you're able to understand this secret. Interestingly, Paul speaks about this secret using the phrase the mystery of Christ in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 4 and in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 3. And then he speaks of the mystery of the gospel in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 19. So what is this mystery? What is this secret that Jesus is teaching or that one might understand or not get, and it's simply this, that the kingdom of God manifesting the saving reign of Christ in the hearts and lives of God's people had come in Jesus. The secret, Jesus is the one who brought the kingdom. He's Messiah. He's the Redeemer. Those inside the kingdom got it because they had been enabled with a new heart and new spiritual ears to hear and to understand who Jesus claimed to be and what he came to do Jason read from Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 13 verses 1 through 7 is this beautiful depiction of God's gracious work in the lives of sinners and Isaiah representing sinners we know he's representing sinners because he says, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And yet Isaiah is caught up into the heavenly throne room. As Jason said, the curtain pulled back, able to see what's going on in heaven. What does he see? Holy God. How did that affect Isaiah? Isaiah says, woe is me. In other words, Isaiah saw God's holiness and realized his utter sinfulness and he called judgment down upon himself but God did not leave Isaiah there God graciously works and the seraphim takes a coal from the altar and brings it and places it upon Isaiah's lips and the text says that, that his sin is atoned for his guilt is taken away we see Isaiah representing a sinner coming to the place of now having sin dealt with, guilt taken away, a new heart, new spiritual ears to get Jesus to hear the secret and understand. It's a radical change that takes place. And what Isaiah 6, 1 through 7 is pointing us to is the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the altar from which the redemption comes and is applied to the sinner. But also notice that for the outsider they lack the spiritual ability to hear and understand these kingdom truths that are given in parables that ultimately are telling us aspects of the kingdom aspects of Jesus' redeeming work our Lord in verse 12 quotes or paraphrases Isaiah 6, 9 through 10 it's interesting that after Isaiah experiences this redemption, what does God do? Now forgiven, Isaiah is commissioned by by God to go and proclaim to Israel the message that God would have him proclaim. And God said, and by the way, Isaiah, you're going to proclaim this message. You're going to declare my message to people who are not going to hear you, not going to understand you, not going to listen to you. In fact, they're going to reject you. But but this is what I want you to do. Their unbelief, Israel's unbelief, their spiritually deaf ears, their inability to understand the word of God, the gospel, we might say, means that when they hear it, it'll be like a riddle. It will be a concept that is alien to them. And so as Jesus declares or tells these stories, these parables, people that are outside the kingdom, they, will, they might understand, okay, a guy sows seed and you know, grows and a harvest is yield, but the spiritual meaning of that will be like a riddle to them. Not able to understand it their hearts are hardened, their ears are deaf to the spiritual realm. It's not a problem of an enemy. It's a problem of the heart. One case in point is in Mark chapter 10, we'll get to that, where Jesus interacts with the rich young ruler, you know the story. He simply could not get Jesus' words. He could not understand what Jesus was saying with regards to God's standard that is the Ten Commandments, and it's bearing upon his idolatrous heart. And so the young man turned away sad. He was not able to receive the word that Jesus gave and turn and believe on him and give his wealth to the poor because that was his idol. In that case, the truth was concealed from the rich young ruler. He didn't get Jesus. The ending uh, to the story in verse 9 makes sense considering Isaiah 6. Those outside the kingdom, outside of Christ, do not have the spiritual ability to hear. But the responsibility to hear, the responsibility to respond appropriately is still theirs. We must understand that. But they are spiritually deaf and persistently reject the offer to repent and follow Jesus. They remain outsiders. They remain in a state of not getting Jesus. Not understanding the meaning of what Jesus is teaching in these parables. Parables reveal truths about the kingdom. Truths about Christ and his redeeming work. And what it means to be a member of his kingdom. What it means to come to know your sin and come to experience that that grace of forgiveness These are stories that Jesus told about real life and these real life stories should cause us to stop and question our real life. Do we get it? Do we get Jesus or is the secret about who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do a mystery to us? Is the meaning of the gospel concealed like a riddle to us? If you are one here today, and let me ask you to do this as well. May hopefully all of you get Jesus. But in the event there are some here who don't get Jesus, and we probably all know people in our lives, maybe even loved ones, that don't get Jesus. So either think about yourself or think about someone that you love and know and ask this question. They don't get Jesus, and so is there hope? Is there hope in my life or in the life of my loved one who doesn't get Jesus? This is the third point. Look at verses 13 through 20. Jesus explained the parable. The the, the sower here, obviously, represents Jesus, the Sunday school answer to the question. He came to proclaim or to sow the the gospel of the kingdom among all people. We just go back to Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. That, That Jesus calling people to repentance, proclaiming, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. It's the general call or the free offer of the gospel that that we know about in our Reformed theological understanding of the order, order of salvation. Notice the seed fell on each type of soil. And one commentator very helpfully distinguishes these four types of soils in this way. He uses these descriptors. Maybe this will be helpful to you. The unresponsive heart is the hard-packed soil. This person ignores or rejects the word. Jesus talked about Satan coming and plucking that seed that's on the hard path. Same effect. It's a rejection of that offer. And then there's the impulsive heart. You know, the person, the seed falls on that shallow soil, soil, and it quickly takes root and then it's gone. And the 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 impulsive person just immediately accepts the word. But because it's on shallow soil and really can't put down roots, the minute adversity comes, persecution, the heat of the day, boom, it's gone. The text says they 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 fall away. And maybe we've known people like that. It's a great beginning and a quick end and then there's the preoccupied heart describes the seed falling in in that thorny ground the thorny area and of course the the weeds and the thorns choke out the seed you know we can be so distracted by the cares of this world that that the word is choked out in our lives and there will be no harvest and then of course there's the responsive heart that, that heart that has been sown the seed, no, no doubt, but notice the difference here. It's a heart that's been prepared. It's a heart that's been plowed by God. The, the seed is received, and it germinates, and it puts down roots, and the roots go deep, and the plant grows and matures and produces this abundant harvest, these Good works, not to save, but as a function of God's grace working in saving a sinner. So what is the point? Ray's family has roots in northern Indiana, well, all over Indiana, actually. And Ray's parents used to live in northern Indiana and we would make trips up to northern Indiana, oftentimes during the corn crop season, when the corn was in, in full array, cornfields upon cornfields, beautiful cornfields. And it was always an interest to me to see just how healthy and full the corn was. We would start out in Arkansas. I'm sorry for Arkansas farmers, but pitiful looking corn. And then we would drive up, make it to Illinois, much better looking corn. And then we'd finally get to northern Indiana, and man, it is the Mecca of corn. Beautiful corn. And that corn would be, would be grown, grown in that rich black soil. The farmer would choose just the right variety of seed, would cultivate, would use these new planting techniques. An experienced farmer and a a gracious providential God in providing the weather and all that was needed and he had these beautiful cornfields these bountiful cornfields and one thing that impressed me is that when you would step and look at just step out and look at a cornfield that the rows of corn seemed to be perfectly straight and I was told that's a sign of a good farmer (laughs) who would plant corn in those straight rows. But I want to think about planting corn in these straight rows and what was taking place in this parable. Based on our understanding of a good farmer who plants in straight rows, this sower ain't so good. He's just out there broadcasting the seed nilly willy Some of it falls on good ground. Maybe rich black soil. It grows up and produces a harvest. Other seeds fall in the thorns. Then you got the rocky soil. And then on the hard path, is, is the sower not paying attention? Is he wasteful? What is going on? It makes no sense to us. Because a good farmer plants his corn in straight rows. However, this story that jesus told made perfect sense to the original hearers it was a real life situation of a sower sowing seed and they understood it it was normal in first century palestine to plant wheat and barley seeds by hand and just broadcasting the seed over the ground irrespective of the type of ground on which the seed fell. And then after the seed had been sown, the Palestinian farmer of the first century, the good farmer in the first century, would then plow the seed under the ground. And so we have the four types of soil, and the the tendency is for us to get captivated by the four types of soil and to see that as the more important part of the parable, it is part of the parable, and it is important, but I don't think it's the more important part in connection with how sowing was done in the first century. You sow the seeds, then you plow the seed under. And so what Jesus, I believe, is seeking to do with using this parable, and by the way, the people heard this, they understand perfectly what Jesus said, Yeah, that's what a good farmer does in first century Palestine. They sow the seed, then they pile it under. They're not really concerned that much about the type of soil. What Jesus' concern is, and I believe the more important part of the parable, though, yes, it is appropriate to think through these four responses to the seed. Yes, that's part of the dynamic of a parable But yet I think the more important part is the sower and the act of sowing and his plowing. So what are we to make of all of this? I have five implications. First, the four soils represent two types of people. Those who by God's grace are insiders and those who are not. They remain outside the kingdom of God due to their unbelief. Thus, the parable reflects a real life situation of there being, in our world today, saved people, unsaved people. Insiders, outsiders. We may, in our reform circles, call them elect sinners and reprobate sinners. Secondly, the sower sowed to release judgment. Some seed fell on the hard packed soil, others on the rocky soil that shallow soil with rocks underneath and then others on the thorny soil those soils were not plowed notice they were left they were not prepared and because of not being plowed not being prepared they did not produce a harvest and we must then ask then was the sower wasteful what is going on here that he would waste his seed on ground that he had no intention of sowing? And Jesus taught a a kingdom lesson in this parable. There was a divine purpose for the seed falling on soils that would not be plowed and not prepared and would not result in a harvest of righteousness. And the point that we need to see in this parable is that no seed was ever wasted. How can we say that? because the seed that was sown on that soil that did not produce a harvest God yet used. We see this veiled nature of the parables as we reflect upon what Jason read from Isaiah 6 verses 9 through 13. Again, Jesus quotes this in verse 12 that Isaiah was told to go and broadcast the message to everyone And they weren't going to listen to one thing he said. But he was still to go. Lest they turn and be forgiven. In other words, here's the point of that. It's not that God doesn't want to forgive sinners. He surely does. But by God's sovereign will, he has chosen some to be saved and passed by others. And those whom he has passed by will not produce a harvest they will suffer judgment this is a hard concept I must admit when we sow the gospel seed even when we see no positive response it is yet accomplishing the purpose of God and in this case the purpose is judgment and God is glorified in the judgment of of the reprobate third the sower sow to release grace when God gives a new heart <clears throat> a new nature that means that he has prepared that person he has plowed that soil and that seed is received it is germinated it takes root it produces a glorious harvest and that harvest is not due to the the heart the of the ground itself is due to the sower and his sowing the seed and preparing that soil to take that seed. I want us to see this 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 parable on the one hand is about judgment and God being glorified in the judgment that when his seed goes forth it is never wasted. It will be used for the judgment of that reprobate person but this parable is also about grace that there are People out there with hard, hard hearts, concrete-like hearts that God plows and prepares that his seed may take root and result in a glorious harvest. This parable is about grace as much as it is about judgment. Notice in Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 7, basically, Isaiah knew he was a sinner and deserved judgment. But Isaiah didn't get what Isaiah deserved. Isaiah got what God willed to give and that was mercy and grace. And that's what God is doing as he brings his plow to plow upon the concrete hearts of sinners. Those of his choosing. By grace, Isaiah's guilt was taken away because Christ bore his guilt and suffered the judgment he deserved. By grace, Isaiah represents an outsider becoming an insider because of the rich grace of God through Christ Jesus. And fourth, the sower calls his disciples to sow. Our calling is not to plow but to sow, to broadcast the gospel seed to all and leave the plowing and the preparation and outcome to God. This sowing, this, this, this calling can take place anywhere. Sowing that seed in the home, sowing that seed in the neighborhood, sowing that seed in the workplace, sowing that seed at school, sowing that seed as God may take you wherever he takes you, be it around the corner or across the world. We have the privilege to be sowers of the seed of the gospel. And this sowing must be indiscriminate, broadcast to all. May we keep on sowing, may we keep on leaving the results of our sowing to God. If there's a harvest, praise God. If there's not a harvest, praise God. And this brings me to the fifth and final implication. Our friend Pete Mitchell, who said ministry in France was like plowing concrete, reminds us that we can try to plow concrete, but we won't get very far with it. But God plows concrete. Who who do you know? Maybe someone that you love whose heart is like concrete spiritually. They are like one of these first three soils that we find in this parable. Unresponsive, impulsive, preoccupied, that's the response of their hearts maybe it's a sibling maybe it's a parent maybe it's a co-worker perhaps it is a extended family member an aunt or an uncle and for some of us it's an adult covenant child who has forsaken the faith their hearts are hard it's like concrete We can't plow concrete. It seems as the seed is sown on these hearts, they just wash away. They're eaten away. They're blown away. They're snatched away. They are ignored away. Is there hope? May we ever rest in the truth of this parable that the sower sows on hard hearts for a kingdom purpose, either to judge or to save. And when he saves, he plows concrete. The hardest heart and a glorious harvest is realized. Let us pray. Father, your record is a glorious harvest of souls. And every single one of those souls throughout the entire history of, of creation, throughout redemptive history, began as a heart, spiritually as concrete. And you plowed it. And that seed that was sown produced. And you produced a great harvest with that seed. And brought an outsider to be an insider. And Father, we trust you to do that in our hearts and in the hearts of those we know that are yet outside your kingdom. And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take your hymnal or your bulletin and let's stand.